following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. Well, good morning, family. I hope everybody is doing good. If no one's told you yet, uh, Happy New Year. I hope you're off to a happy new year. Um, what I found in life, it's uh, happiness is uh, relative Uh, happiness is relative to all the things happening around us, and it's hard to make everything around us happen the way we want that would make us happy, but God's got a much bigger thing than happiness is joy. God can give you a joy in your soul that will overflow all circumstances, and I trust that when you put God first in your life, it's an outflow of that relationship. So I hope and pray that your year is filled with truckloads of joy this year. Literally, that God just blesses you. This is the year of joy, 2017, amen? You're gonna take that by faith? Take it by faith. Uh, God is all about joy. He said, I came that you might have joy, that your joy might be complete. He's big in the joy department, Uh, big in the joy department. But I wanna welcome you this morning, and uh, here's the thing about a new year, uh, specifically this year, I really sincerely feel that God is calling us to a, to a new level. I don't know how many of you guys feel like you're being called to a new level uh, in your life in this new year. I know I do. Um, I've been doing ministry a lot of years. I had a kind of a crazy past. God woke me up. I came to Hollywood for music, playing clubs, met Jesus along the way. Uh, The rest is kind of history, but God is saying, keep on coming. You got a long way to go. Keep on coming. And he's calling us higher and higher and higher if, if we go along with his calling, if we go along with his calling. We were talking about last week how some people come into the faith, find a comfortable spot, and just kind of kick back right there. Like, I found my spot, I'm good. And they just kind of chill. It's kind of like a lazy boy, Christianity. And God's like, no, keep coming. I got so much better things for you. Keep coming, keep walking with me, keep trusting me, keep growing and stepping out in faith. But what I have found about this process is that we have to work with God. We have to work with God. He loves us right where we're at, amen? But he loves us too much to leave us where we're at. And that's the part that we have to engage, going, God, thank you that you love me. Even though I'm a train wreck, you still love me. That's amazing. But you love me too much to leave me a train wreck. He's tuning us up and shaping us up and, and, and growing us, transforming us along the way. And um, A couple of scriptures we looked at last week. I want to do a quick recap and jump into what we're doing today. Um, God promises a couple of times in scriptures, he says, behold, I make all things new. God is all about making new things. God is all about fresh starts. He's all about innovating and giving us new opportunities, but we have to recognize them and engage in those things. Uh, He says in Isaiah 43, he's like, look, I'm doing a new thing. Do you perceive it? Do you perceive it? And my prayer this morning is that you would perceive that God is in fact doing a new thing and he wants to do a new thing very personally in your life this year, literally, personally in your life. Um, You gotta perceive that, you gotta know that, you gotta believe that and engage with God and what he wants to do. It's really, really important. We're starting our new year with a series and we're calling it uh, Extreme Makeover Spiritual Edition. And how many of you guys have seen the TV show, Extreme Makeover, right, where they hook up these houses, they do a great job, they, they move somebody out, they move them away somewhere, they come in and they find out what they could do and they modify this house, they do all kinds of crazy stuff and they pull up with the bus 
And then the people get out to see their house and the neighbors are all around celebrating, right? And then they say, bus driver, move that bus. You guys know the show I'm talking about? And they pull the bus away and they're like, no way. They're blown away. They're in tears. The neighbors are celebrating. It's so cool because a transformation happened. And we're going to look at how that applies to us spiritually today because the Bible refers to us as living stones that God is making into a spiritual house. There's a lot of symbolism in the Bible, in the New Testament, uh, regarding us being a house that God wants to build. In fact, there's a couple you might be familiar with. Jesus says that nobody builds a house without first counting the the costs. Going to build a house, but work with me on this. He's like, I'm going to count the costs and we're going to build this. Said in 1 Peter that God is making us, building us into a spiritual house. And Joshua, even in the Old Testament, said, I don't know about all these other people, but as for me and my house, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. This is the way we're going to roll. We're going to engage God on his master plan, and we're going to go with God. I can't speak for everybody else. Joshua's like, that's the way we're going to do it. So I want to encourage you, you too are like a spiritual house. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God lives in you. The Spirit of God doesn't live in temples anymore. The Holy Spirit, if you're a Christ follower, lives inside of you and you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And we could either be a Holy Spirit house, amen? We could be a Holy Spirit house where the Holy Spirit has reign in our life and expression in our life and and all kinds of fruit in our life and and God has his way or, or we can choose to be the kind of house when the cracks keep coming, we just patch them and paint over them. And the crack comes back again. And we patch them and we paint over them. And spiritually, that's what happens sometimes in people's lives. Say, yes, God, I love you. I want to follow you. And then get into a comfortable zone and stop growing with God. And when we stop growing with God, we find these cracks popping up in our life. And we have to be honest, we all have cracks. Can I get an amen on that one? How many of you would say that you are a construction zone? I am work in progress. If you're around me, wear a hard hat, okay? Um, hey, we're all works in progress, and God's doing a thing, but we could either work with God with this thing, or we can go, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm fine. And a lot of people do that. I'd suggest the day you stop growing is the day you start dying. We got to keep growing. Jesus says, come, follow, continue, press on. The Bible uses all these verb tenses that mean Keep on coming and asking and seeking and knocking and growing and being transformed. And your spiritual house, it's a choice this morning. Whether you want or you're willing for God to do a spiritual renovation, an extreme makeover, a spiritual addition on your life personally, or you'll say, no, I'm good where I'm at. And I will tell you, and I know this from my own experience, and I've seen this in other people's lives, When we don't let God transform us, there is an ongoing sequence in life and it can go on for years and years and years where you patch a crack and paint it and it comes back again. And you stucco it again and you paint it and it comes back. And some people choose, choose to go through their whole life patching cracks, having them crack over and over again. And other people say, you know what? There's gotta be a reason why stuff's cracking in my life. There's got to be a reason why the crack keeps showing up. I think I need a makeover in an area. I think I need to go a little deeper. I think it's not about rearranging the furniture. Some people have said it's like 
uh, changing seats on the Titanic, you know, or, or rearranging the deck furniture. Maybe this will look a little better. Uh, sometimes it's a bigger thing going on. And we have to be willing to stop and say, is there anything recurring in my life? Are there any habitual things? Are there any patterns? Do I find myself patching a crack again and I did it last week or last month and last year? And there's, there's these kind of things we do over and over again. Are we willing to get together with the king, the lover of our soul, and say, God, would you, be, would you transform that part of my life? I am willing to let you do what you need to do. And that's where we're going to go today is to fix the deeper things, for God to transform and to renew the deeper things. It takes something called demolition. Any of you guys know about demolition? Anybody, if you've ever done anything at your house or any room, you got to demo it. And I got to tell you, demo is a little messy. It's a little ugly. Uh, I remember many years ago, we redid our kitchen and I knew it was going to be a wreck. And so there was an opportunity for Christy to go, my wife, to Texas to be with her family for the week. And I'm like, why don't you go for the week, hon? Because there's going to be hammers flying, dust everywhere. The place is a wreck. Dust goes in every room. I don't care how you tape it up. It goes everywhere. It just wrecks everything. And it looks terrible. It looks terrible. When you show up, you're like, are you kidding me? What happened to the old kitchen? (laughs) That was better than this. It's just a total wreck. But that's what it takes to get the renovation, amen? And in our lives, sometimes we're like, no, I'm not going for that. I'm not gonna go for any renovation on that level. I am not gonna go for that level of transformation. I am just gonna put a little stucco and a little paint and it keeps popping every year and cracks again and again. Um, God is calling us to a deeper level, to a fuller potential. It says this in Romans 12.1, don't conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can test and approve what God's will is. The Bible's saying, if you let God transform you, you are gonna be able to test and know what the will of God in your life is. The will of God is knowable. Let me say that again. The will of God is knowable. Scripture says it is. And there's only one way to test it. It's with a transformed mind. It's getting together with God and saying, okay, God, you know what's in this heart. You know what's in this head. Shape me, transform me, renovate me. Do a makeover. If we're willing to engage God on this level, we begin to understand these at a deeper level. It's really important. Um, Another great scripture I love, Philippians 1.6 says this, to be confident of this. I mean, be very confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Until the day you see him face to face, the work that he started, he's gonna continue to shape and mold He's the potter, we're the clay. We talked about that. The potter, the clay doesn't get up and tell the potter what to do. The the potter knows what's best for the clay and we let him shape us and mold us. We have to trust him with our renovation process. And I, I would suggest this this morning that what God wants to do in your life, if you can imagine for a moment, and we touched on this last week, what is the most, you're a spiritual house according to scripture. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. What is the most amazing that your spiritual house could be? Just think about your life for a minute. If God, the living God, by the way, I love the, word, the term the living God because when I talk about he is so alive, he is the living God. The living God, if the living God could do absolutely anything in your life and with your life, if you fully engaged God in the big picture and, and let God do like magnificent things in your life, like off the chart, amazing stuff, 
what would your life look like? What would your spiritual house look like? Think about that for a minute. I mean, if God literally could like turn it up and take over on some crazy level and use you for some, just kind of get a picture of what that might look like. Whatever picture you have, it takes a master plan to get there. Whatever picture you can imagine, and and God has a master plan for you. He says, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're not to harm you. They are to prosper you. Listen, God's plan is to prosper you, to give you a hope and to give you a future. He is to give you joy, to give you redemption, to put his spirit inside you, to, to, to bring the word alive in your life, to help discover his will and your mission and the fulfillment and the reason why you were made in the first place. What, what display of giving God glory were you called to? Uh, who were you called to influence? Uh, God's got so many amazing things, but it's his master plan. So when we talk about building this house and this renovation, God's got a master plan and you gotta start with the master plan. Have you ever seen a house where there was no master plan? They just maybe added a room on the back and then they later on added another room on the back and maybe they put a little weird roof on the other side to stick another room. Anybody ever see that before? Yeah, um, and if you know architecture, you can see it in a second. You're like, what were they thinking? You know, one year they did this and five years later they did that and, and there was no master plan. There was no master plan. It was just stick on a room, throw on some paint, stick on some room. I think we do that with our lives. I think we do that with our lives. God's like, I got a master plan and it's so much more magnificent than that. But we have to engage God with his master plan if we wanna be everything he's calling us to be. And I would suggest that many of us probably would say right now, if I were to ask a question, how many of you guys would be willing, be willing to let God shape you and mold you into some really super cool expression? You got, how many of you guys, is that, how, many, how many in the room? Honestly, in God's house? Okay, I will tell you this, if you're reluctant to raise your hand on that, God's plan is so much better than your own. If you look at what your house could be, your spiritual house could be on your own compared to what God would make it, you can't even compare them. It's like on a whole nother platitude. I mean, God, God knows you better than you know yourself. And we try to come up with these plans and ideas and yet God goes, I know the very DNA I put in you. I know every gift, every spiritual gift, every natural talent and ability. And I know that end from the beginning and the beginning from the end, God's like, work with me on the master plan. It will go so much better and so much further. The thing about the master plan and what God wants to build is many of us don't always count the cost of what it takes to get there. The idea of a a renovation, a spiritual renovation, God doing this thing and building this amazing thing out of us in our lives is a great idea, but we don't always think about what will it take to get there. And it usually takes, when you look at any kind of renovation, it starts by removing things first rather than just adding things. It starts by removing things. And the only way that we can make room for what God wants to do in our lives it's sometimes removing the things that want to go. When you look at these shows like Extreme Makeover, that they move the family away and they come in and they, they already have a master plan. They already figure out what, they don't just show up and go, I don't know, Joe, what do you think? I don't know, what do you think? Eating a burger, you know, what do you think? Knock down the wall, I don't know, what do you think? No, they got a master plan. They already know what house they're doing. They sat down, they figured it out. There's a master plan. And your master, the king, the Lord, has a master plan with you. 
And they, there's already a master plan. And so they go in there with the master plan and they look at this and they go, oh no, look at this. We're never going to do something magnificent with that wall right in the middle of the room. We're going to blow out that wall. We're going to demo that wall and we're going to make a great room. And God wants to make a great room in your life. He wants to move some walls. He wants to, and in my life too, I'm not exempt from this, but I'm telling you, we have to let God in on the demolition phase. Listen, the demolition phase. And this is sometimes a part that as believers, we skip over. We say, God, I believe you have a plan for my life and I'm willing to start engaging you on this relationship. And yet, we forget God's like, the first word he's telling everyone is, turn, do a 180 and follow me. And we, we think we do a 180, but we, we're walking with Jesus a while and over time we realize there's still stuff in our lives and God's like, come on, I wanna, I wanna do something so much better than what you know right now. But it's gonna take a little demo. It's gonna take a little demolition. It's gonna take the removal of some obstacles so I can do a greater thing. And that's really what we're looking about today. And one thing I found out in my life about demolition, God removing some things, removing some load-bearing walls in your life, removing some things that are obstacles, uh, removing, uh, sometimes people keep uh, patching their wall and they don't know why, and it's the foundation that's shifting. The foundation's moving, but they patch the wall every month and it keeps cracking. They don't know why. Is it bad stucco? Is it bad paint? Is it bad workmanship? No, it's, it's the foundation. The foundation's moving. It's, it's, it's shifting. And because until you deal with the foundation, you'll never fix the crack. And I believe that's what God is calling us to as part of our transformation. There's some things that have to be demoed. And when you think about demolition, you know, some demolition, I believe God is asking us this morning, will you engage me? Will you work with me on demolition? I would suggest to you that demolition is so much better when it's done by permission. Can you imagine someone into your, coming into your house and demolishing things without asking you first? That wouldn't go. But what if they said, hey, listen, we got a great plan for your kitchen in this master, what are you, a great room. Uh, do you mind if we come in? Then you would say, sure, please do come in. I, I, I think God wants to engage us. This is what I found in my life. I see it in, in New Testament, uh, in the lives of people as well, where God is working with people and we go along with God in the refining process or we kind of fight God in the refining process. Have any of you ever fought God in the refining process? So you know what I mean. That's, that's when God wants to do demolition and we're not giving him permission. He wants to do something and we're not doing it. And it works so much better when we go with God because he knows best. Sometimes, what I have found, if we don't go with God in the demolition phase, sometimes God will allow circumstances in our life that start doing the demolition for us. Have you ever experienced that? Amen? And you're going, why is this happening to me? This side of heaven, it's hard to know exactly why everything is happening, but I will tell you this. A lot of times it's happening because God wants to do a little demolition. There's time to get rid of some extra furniture in our life, so to speak, and we're not cooperating with God. We're not giving him permission on the demolition. So God sometimes takes us down a road or a sequence where we get to separate what matters and what doesn't matter. Sometimes only going through a trial do we begin to realize this matters and this doesn't. It's only the trials that do it. And God's like, listen, I wanna do something so great in your life. You have to understand this. God wants to do amazing things with your life, but there's certain things he can't build with. There's certain things in me. There's certain things in you 
that God can't build with. There's other great things in you, but there's other things in you. God's like, I can't build with that. I, I, work with me and we'll do a little demo. We'll do a demolition phase here. We're gonna take out a few things that really need to go because then there'll be a nice clean slate and we could do something profound. This is the nature of God. We're gonna look at three quick scriptures this morning that are gonna unfold the demolition series as God, I believe, lays it out in the makeover that he wants to do um, in our lives so we don't have to keep patching and cracking and patching and painting and cracking again and that we can come to terms with some of this stuff, have some builder-grade materials in our lives. Uh, Hebrews 12.1 is the first one. Uh, you can look on your device. There's a Bible in the seat, or we have it for the screen up here. Uh, Hebrews 12.1, uh, it says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Again, the Bible refers to our life as a spiritual house, refers to our life as a race that we're supposed to run. There's a lot of symbolism in the New Testament that is symbolic of your heart and your mind, your soul, and the life that God is trying to shape so he can bring you to a far greater place and fulfillment of what you were made for. And this one is saying the only way you and I will obtain that is to throw off two things, throw off two things. And this term throw off is literally not, you know, like your bubblegum wrapper and just drop it on the counter. It's throw it. I mean, get rid of it. If you were fishing, it's cast it. If you're throwing a pass, it's light it up. I mean, it's throw it. If you're pitching, it's to let it fly. It's literally throw it off. And the two things need to go in our lives if we're going to have the, 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 uh, the fulfillment, the transformation that God is calling us to. And here's, here's the first one. It's talking about the things that hinder us, the things that hinder us. And the other one is the sin that entangles us, two things. The, the things that hinder and the sin that entangles. Let's look at the first one. When it's talking about the things that hinder, it's talking about weight. Everybody say weight. Every one of us in this room carry a different weight. You came in here this morning with a different weight, a different burden, a different concern, a different doubt, a different fear, a different outstanding issue in life, friends, family, health, finances, what's coming next year, what about this, what about the government, what about the world, what about the economy, what about the environment, what about my health, what about whatever it might be, my sister, my brother, my cousin, my parents, there are weights that... There are weights that we have, and they're, they're very real, these weights. But this is referring to the weights that are holding you down. Jesus was very clear when he saw people with weights on their shoulder that were holding him down. And he said, listen, come to me, all of you who are weary and have a heavy load. I'm looking at their eyes. Jesus is saying, he's looking at the crowd, and he's like, wow, some folks have some really heavy weights in life they're carrying. And he said, those are not from me. Some of the weights that we're carrying this morning, they're not from God. They are weights, and we are carrying them. But the weight is not from God. And, and Jesus says, knowing this, come to me, all of you who have a heavy load. Are you tired of carrying that load? Is it slowing you down? Is it making you wobbly? Is it making your knees weak, carrying that load? And Jesus knows it is. And he says, come to me, all of you who are weary and have a heavy load. I'll give you rest. If you take my yoke, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. I am not gonna put any weight on you. The living God is not gonna put a weight on you you can't carry, and he won't put a weight on you that's gonna buckle your knees. 
And yet in life, we carry these weights, even believers do, Christians do, and that's why Paul is likely Paul writing this in Hebrews right here saying, hey, listen, um, this weight you're carrying, you gotta throw off the stuff that's weighing you down. Some of the things that weigh you down might be this, guys, might be worry, it might be a burden that you have, a certain burden you might have, it might be a fear of something, And as I was praying about this, I really sensed the Lord say this, and this might be a word for some of you this morning. One of the things that might be weighing you down could be the wrong dream. Say the wrong dream. Why? Because we all come up with dreams, don't we? Be nice if this. What about that? It would be nice if this. I always thought it was going to work out this way. How many people thought it was going to work out this way, right? Of course, it's not a bad, I, I just assumed this or I was hoping that and we have these dreams and some of those are God-given dreams and you put them in your heart and they're there for a reason but sometimes we kind of just make up our own stuff and sometimes we're hanging on to the wrong dream. I know because I lived that for a, a good section of my life. Um, pursuing a dream outside of Christ that wasn't a God-given dream and yet I was relentless at it. I was going at it and I was putting every ounce of effort and energy in my life to go at a dream That when I met Jesus, he's like, come to me with a heavy burden. I'll give you rest. And if you take my yoke, you realize I didn't give you that dream anyway. I got a better dream for you. And if you come to Jesus and he says, take my yoke, it's you take the yoke that that you had on your shoulders, you take that one off and you put the yoke of Jesus on where you start to say, I'm gonna plow with you. I'm gonna walk with you, Jesus. He goes, "That, that one's easy. It's not gonna buckle your knees. It's good for you. And it's gonna take you to a destination that you were made for. As you walk with Jesus, you walk in the fulfillment of your calling and the destiny and the purpose and the life that he has for us. But sometimes we have the wrong dream and we pursue the wrong dream and we're going after the wrong dream and it's not working out and the the wrong dream isn't coming into fruition. And guess what? It weighs us down. It loads us down and, and we get frustrated and we get worried and I'm running out of time on my dream. My dream was supposed to happen by now. How many have thought the dream should have happened by now? Of course, we think this stuff all the time. Sometimes it's the weight of the wrong dream. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe it's a worry, a doubt, a fear, a concern, whatever it is, if you're a note taker. And I encourage you to write these four principles down because I believe you will find spiritual victory in these. I believe if you're willing to let God do some renovation, some demolition in certain key areas, I believe you're gonna find a greater fruition in your life. And the first one is this. This is the form of demolition that God wants to do in your life and in mine. The first one is demolition by throwing off the weights that hinder you. The weights that hinder you. Everyone in the room has a different weight. But if you camp out with God, do a little business with God and ask him, Lord, what is the weight that's weighing me down? Literally, it's slowing me down and I'm not running the race freely to win. There's a weight in my life. I wake up with it. I go to bed with it. I'm carrying it. I, I think you're gonna find God say, I see that. I didn't give you that weight. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Yet I see a weight on you. The Bible says, cast your cares upon the Lord. Cast, cast your cares on him. Your anxieties. The worries, the stress, the fears. The fear, fear is a real thing. Everyone's got certain fears. And God wants us to know, I didn't give you that fear. I don't give, God doesn't give out spirits of fear. I didn't give fear. I give power, I give love, I give a sound mind. I don't give out a spirit of fear. And yet, sometimes the burden is a spirit of fear or it's a worry or a doubt or a wrong dream. And God's like, I'm gonna build something so great in you. But listen, you gotta make some room, please. 
work with me on this. Let's do demolition by permission, God would say. Give me some room, and why don't you throw off some of the things that are worrying you, that are weighing you down, because they're hindering you, and they're hindering the progress of what your spiritual house is gonna look like, amen? Does that make sense? First one is demolition by throwing off the weights that hinder you. The second one is similar. It's demolition by throwing off the sin, the sin that entangles you. Sin entangles all of us. The Bible is a whole narrative of, of, of the human nature and the sin nature, which is normal and natural and human. And now when we come to Christ, he is the only one in the history of humanity that said, I came to take away the sins of the world. No one else, not Buddha, Krishna, Gandhi, Muhammad. None of those guys said they came with that mission. Jesus is like the lamb of God who came to take away the sins. Come to me, I'll take them away. And so we come to Jesus because he's the only one who can take away our sins. And we turn and we follow and believe in his provision, and he takes, which, is, which is beautiful. And then as a Christ follower, it's not that sin is absent from our lives because we all sin and fall short. But now sin is the exception, not the rule. Where it used to be the rule in our life, it is now the exception. So now when we sin, we say, Lord, would you forgive me? We get up and we turn and we keep walking. And when we sin again, we turn and we keep walking. But I want to talk to you this morning about not the the sin that pops up here or there. I want to talk to you about something deeper. I want to talk about when the wall cracks in our house again and we put stucco and paint on it and it cracks again and we put some stucco in paint, and it cracks again. I'm talking about that sin. Does that make sense? There's a sin where, oh, it cracked again. Let me, we're good? Cool, we're good for a little while. And then guess what? You wake up one morning, crack. Oops, it's there again. There are some sins that are sins of repetition. And that's the kind of sin I believe this is talking about. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God, and we'll always get up and say, God, forgive me, ask others for forgiveness and start walking with Jesus and walk in his forgiveness. And yet there are some patterns, there are some trip hazards in our life that stumble us. If you were to get up in the middle of the night and walk to the kitchen to get a glass of water and you stumbled and you hit your foot and you jammed your toe really bad, um, the next night on your way to the kitchen, would you jam your toe on the same thing again? No way would you do that because you know that's not good for me. That hurts me. And you would do something to get rid of it, walk around it, turn a light on, jump over it, whatever you, you would make sure you don't hit it again. Yet sin, on the other hand, sin is something that we sometimes choose to cope with. The trip hazard that's always there, well, you know, I'll just paint over it if it happens again and I'll just you know, hope it doesn't crack again. And yet some of these things, these trip hazards show up again and again in a repetitive nature. The trip hazards are the things that cause us to stumble. Um, And it's time to unload. I believe God is calling us to unload what we refer to as our habits or that's just the way I am or well, I've always done that. And God said, yes, you used to, but I love you too much to leave you where you are. I know, and I love you where you're at with all that mess. But as I'm calling you and as you're walking with me and I am calling you higher because I'm going to do a a new level, a new anointing, a new gifting, a new opportunity, you got to let me do some renovation. You got to be open to a little renovation. You got to be open to some demo. And there's some things that are patterns, unhealthy habits, and repetitions. Those need to intentionally be identified and put off. Does that make sense? We can't just throw it under the rug and maybe no one will look under there. Not for where he's calling you. 
Uh, the Bible is full of stories where people, uh, everyone in the Bible slipped and fell short. People with great anointing slipped and fell short. But when there was patterns in their life that were habitual and they refused to get rid of them, that was a different story. That's a time where God's like, yeah, I can't keep my anointing on you. Even though my anointing's on you and you're messing up, I can't keep my anointing on you if you refuse to take these trip hazards out of your life. And there's people, Saul was a great one. He had this anointing on his life. He was doing great things. And he's messing up pretty bad. And God's like, I'm still anointing him. And he's still messing up. The prophets are saying, hey, Saul, you're messing up, buddy. God's, God's watching you. He's like, ah, who cares? I'm good. I got an anointing. And he keeps going in this thing. Judgment begins with the house of the Lord. Judgment begins with the house of your house. You got the spirit of God living in you. When we, when we live in a way that we refuse to change, God's like, wow, I love you too much to continue to pour out blessing, protection, provision. He also, God disciplines those he loves. When, we, when we're in a pattern, we refuse to change. God's like, please cooperate on the renovation. Please cooperate on the demo. If you simply remove some things and you choose to cooperate, I'm gonna do a greater thing. I'm gonna replace it with something better, but I can't put that in unless you take that out. And that's why it's saying, throw off the weights that hinder. And the second point this morning is to throw off the sin that entangles. Sin is like a net. It entangles. It looks attractive for a moment, but we get all caught up in it. It, We always get caught up in it. It's kind of the things that we default to. Think about this in your life. Are there things that make you really mad all the time? Triggers. Pray about what that is. Pray about the source of that. If you take it all the way to the bottom to the root. Is it just, that's just the way I am? Oh, I just have a hot temper. What about things that make you jealous or things that make you, um, you know, what you do if you're lonely, you do this. Or if you're sad, you do this. Or if you're angry, you do this. I mean, think about what's at the bottom of these patterns, these repetitions in our lives. And we all have different things. And that's why I pray and ask God, What is it time to throw off in my life so that I can agree with you in the demolition process, God, because you're gonna do a greater thing? And believe me, God is not gonna stuff anointing and gifts and keep putting blessing in us if we don't make room and get certain stuff out of us. Does that make sense? That's just his nature throughout scripture. God's not looking for a perfect people. He's just looking for a willing people. Uh, Christianity is not about perfection, but it is about direction, It is about I'm gonna keep walking with you and as stuff comes up, God, I'm willing to cooperate and not go, I'm good right where I'm at. I'm cool right here. Leave me alone, I'm good. I know about God, I believe in him, leave me alone. And when you say that, that's when we start dying. Jesus says, keep walking. (laughs) Keep walking with me, keep coming. I'm gonna show you great and mighty things you know not of. I'm gonna show you things, I'm gonna give you opportunities, be faithful with little things, I'll let you be faithful with greater things, but keep on coming. We can't say, no, I'm gonna hang out right here, I'm good, thank you. Guys, it's time for some demolition, amen? It's time for some demolition. The last couple of things, 2 Corinthians 3, 5, I love this one. 2 Corinthians 3, uh, excuse me, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse three and five, and we have it up here for the screen. This one is great, this talks literally about your demolition process, and what you are called to demolish. The New Testament says that you are called to demolish. The New Testament calls us to a demolition phase. It's great. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10 verse three says this, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. 
The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself, against, sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. This is such a rich passage. I'm gonna try to do a little justice to it in a little amount of time, but this is such a rich passage right here. This is first saying that as Christians that we're not supposed to deal with our struggles the same way that the world does. We don't deal with our struggles the same way maybe your neighbor does. We don't deal with our struggles the same way somebody in the workplace does. They got their way of doing it. God's like, I got a better way for you to do it. And he's saying, we live in the world, but we don't wage war as the world does. We roll differently. We roll differently. We have access to divine weapons with divine power. That's the difference. If you're in Christ, you've got these divine weapons with divine power, and some people just leave them there and don't pick them up. God's like, they are real. Pick them up. Um, Could you imagine, for example, doing a little demo at your house, and I I have experience with this, where the floor, uh, when we had moved into our house a few years back, the floor was all messed up, and we had to chisel some floor and pour some concrete because it was kind of like sloping all weird, and you know, I was sitting there with hammer and chisel, and you're wearing glasses, stuff's flying up, you know what I mean, and had some friends over a chisel in this floor. Imagine you're doing it this way, because this is the way we do it, and Jesus shows up with a jackhammer. Jesus with a jackhammer, picture that. It's a cool visual, right? Jesus shows up, jackhammer, hard hat. Excuse me, step out of the way. It's done, right? Jesus with a jackhammer. It's the same thing in our lives. Sometimes we're over there with the little hammer and little dink, dink, and stuff's flying and hitting us in the face, dink, 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 hitting it with the hat. And God, Jesus is like, excuse me, I've got divine weapons for you that can demolish stuff. Jesus and the jackhammer, it's done. It's done. Jesus has, we don't wage war the way the world does. We have different tools and he's saying that here. So we can't just chisel at things that really need to be demolished. Chiseling ain't gonna get it done. Certain things need to get demolished and he's talking about demolishing strongholds. Strongholds, everybody say strongholds. This is important. A stronghold is something that didn't start as a stronghold. A stronghold, quite simply, and we could go on a long time on what the Bible talks about here, but quite simply, a stronghold is a lie, starts with a lie, a lie we believed. Somebody told us that, we told ourselves that, we want to believe that, we don't want to believe this. It could be anything, but for some reason we believe it and we go after it or we open the door and let it in spiritually speaking. And as a result, and like I talked about the, the habits, the, the habitual, the things we do by nature over and over again, those things, this is what happens. That little thing we believed in, that little lie, it's just a little lie, just a little white lie, right? White lie, you heard this, right? Just, just a white, it's not a you know, black lie, it's not a red lie, it's not a blue lie, it's a white one, right? So let in this lie, a lie is a lie is a lie is a lie. Let in the lie and believe it and start working with it and start building our house with it unintentionally maybe, doesn't matter, we're building our house with it. And this thing gets stronger. And it gets stronger like a snowball going down a hill. And we refuse to stop and do business with it. We refuse to ask ask Jesus to come with the jackhammer, and take it out. We're not gonna do that. We'll just chisel it and we'll patch the wall and we'll deal with it. And guess what? It grows into a bigger thing. And guess what? This little foothold ends up becoming a stronghold in the Bible. And it's where we let something in this lie 
uh, and the spiritual influence that's actually now taking shape in our life and hindering us, hindering us. And that's why it's telling us right here, that kind of stronghold needs to be identified and demolished. It's got to go. We can't, well, that's only this part of my life. Uh, in general, I believe in God. In general, I believe the Bible. But, you know, don't, don't talk to me about that area. That's like in my closet. Don't talk to me about my closet. I'm sure if you had people come to your house like, yeah, you can look at my house. Don't look at the closet. Don't look at the bedroom. Don't look at the bathroom. Just only stay in this area. Um, there's some areas we're willing to show off and some we're not. Same is true spiritually. Some might have an area tucked away. We're like, yeah, that's, uh, that's off limits. And God's like, wow, I want to build something so beautiful and so amazing and powerful, but I can't because there's strongholds taking up space. And I'm giving you divine power, the jackhammer of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit and through his word and the authority we have in Christ to take authority over snakes and scorpions. The Bible says I've given you power to trample this stuff, take out the Jesus jackhammer, and go at it and get rid of it. And God's like, wow. Look at this nice, clean slate. Look what I can build on this. But some are like, yeah, we're not talking about the closet, okay? Move on to the next thing, but not that. And as long as we do that, we're never going through the demo phase that God needs to do to build something great in our lives. It's really, really important. It starts with believing a lie, something that God did not say. Here's the amazing thing. The narrative of the devil is the same throughout Scripture. The very first time he tricked and deceived humanity into sin, The very first thing, when Adam and Eve sinned, they're hiding, they're hiding behind a bush. They're like, oh, we're over here. We're afraid of you, God. We're afraid. We're shaking like a leaf on a tree. We're behind this thing. We're afraid because we're naked. And God said, who told you? Who who told you that? Who told you? Somebody told you. And there's only one other person here to tell you that. It's the devil. Who told you that? God didn't say the devil told you. Who told you that? You believed the lie. I told you this. I told you, you can name everything you can do. You have dominion over everything on the planet. You get to name it. The world is yours and it's beautiful and it's glorious. It's kind of like a utopian society. I don't even think there was mosquito bites back then. It was all before the fall. It was super cool. There was no weeds in the ground, the Bible says. It was cool. Everything was bearing fruit. And yet, someone heard a lie, believed the lie, acted on the lie, and God's like, who told you that? Who told you that? Sometimes a stronghold in our life starts with, who told you that? Maybe your parents did. Maybe someone, maybe we told ourselves. But we gotta realize what it is. And this is what it says to do. Listen to this, guys. Instead of painting over it, it's time for Jesus with the jackhammer to demolish, demolish it. This, these are the three areas that it says to demolish. Listen to this. It says, we demolish arguments. Everybody say arguments. Pretensions. Pretensions? And Thoughts. Arguments, pretensions, and thoughts. Here's the thing about uh, these things. Uh, Sometimes it's just an idea. We got this idea, but it's not what God says. It's not even his nature. It has nothing to do with the ways of the word and the ways of the spirit. And yet, we got this cool idea. With all due respect, God, I'm gonna go this way. And God's like, yeah, there's no future in that. (laughs) Believe me, there's no future in that. And yet we hold on to this idea. And God's like, listen, Start to line up your thinking and your heart with me. Would you be willing to demolish that? And some say, no, I won't. God's like, okay, well, I'm gonna stop growing anything in you because I can't with this big old thing in your life, this stronghold that you're holding onto, this idea. Sometimes, again, it's the wrong dream. But it doesn't line up with God, God's word. You gotta find out what this idea, this thing we're holding onto, and God's like, would you, with God's permission, would you intentionally identify and demolish it? 
Would you take the Jesus jackhammer to that idea if you found out that that idea is not from God at all? That's the question for you this morning because this is what it takes for a spiritual renovation. The other one is an argument. I love an argument because I know when I came to faith and people told me things about the word of God and what God said, I would say, yeah, but back then, anybody ever done this? Yeah, well, back then, why, we have an argument. Well, what about this part? of? Well, you know, back then, you know, I mean, of course God, you know, wants you to be happy and of course, you know, na, 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 na. Argument, this is our own argument and we are the best at coming up with these arguments, right? We got a judge and jury right up in our own brain, right? We got the whole, you know, everything going on. We got the whole mental gymnastics and this whole argument of why we should continue to do or not do what we want or don't want to do and we're not letting God transform and form us. This area is off limits, this area, we have our own argument. And Jesus is saying, it's time to take my jackhammer and break up this argument that you're having that's in total defiance with my will, my ways, and my future because I want to bless you and I want to do something profound in your life, but I can't with this big old argument in the way. You know, Saul, who became the apostle Paul, was fighting God and, and had this argument in his mind where those, you know, Christ followers are this and that's it. They're evil and I'm going to go after him and I'm going to get him. And God's like, Saul, um, I don't know where you came up with that argument in your head, but you really believe it, don't you? And he says, why are you kicking against the goads? The goads was this kind of prodding thing. You'd walk if you're walking cattle and they stop walking. You give them a poke and they're like, whoa, <laughs> I hear you, we're moving. And, and, and God's saying, Paul, why are you kicking against this I'm trying to move you. I love you. I'm trying to, but you're like kicking back against it. Why do you want to hurt yourself like that? Why do you want to? And we have these arguments in our life that we're kicking back somehow against God and going, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And God's like, listen, would you identify that? Line it up with me. And would you be willing to take the Jesus jackhammer to that? And if you're not, just let God do it. And he will come alongside you. He, he's good at this. He's good at taking that jackhammer, but, but he works better with permission. He works better with permission. The last one is this, to demolish arguments, every pretension, and to take captive the thoughts. The thought, uh, the, the thought, the pretension, a pretension by definition comes from our word where we use pretend, pretend, pretension. Something that's not really true, we're making it up. Something fabricated, something not real. And yet there are things in our life that we kind of hold on to or maybe a charade we're playing in a certain area. And this is between you and God because everyone might have their own little area, their own little closet, their own little issue. And God's like, would you mind taking that pretend thing? And would you mind sticking it captive? Would you grab it and throw it down? This idea, this principle, this argument, this pretension that you're having, this charade, it's time to demolish it. And the beauty about God is in our journey, there were things we got away with years ago, but along the road, he's like, I love you so much. Can we deal with this one this year? Because if we can deal with this one this year, I can do great things this year. And, and maybe it's not everything, but I'm gonna show you again next year, as you're getting refined and you're getting transformed, I'm gonna show you something else. And as you begin to walk with God in these areas, and I know he's certainly calling me to this in my life, that uh, he begins to uh, refine if we're willing to demolish. And so uh, the first step is demolition, guys. So here's the third point this morning, is to identify and isolate what lies or strongholds that need to be demolished. Do this in your prayer time today. Tonight, before you go to bed, 
Identify, pray, identify and isolate what lies or strongholds need to be demolished. There's things in your life that God will build something glorious if you will take the Jesus jackhammer to that area, but you gotta call it out because only you know what's in your closet. Only you know what's in your rug. Only I know what's in my closet or what's in my, we only know that. Nobody else really does. Somebody close to you might know if you ask them transparently. Can you tell me if there's something repetitive in my life? Repetitive. This is accountability. People that love you, that care about you, you can give them a two-way street of accountability to say, I'm not going to point out everything in your life, and you don't point out everything in my life, but, but if you see a pattern, if you see like a, a way of, uh, that's just, would you tell me? Do you love me enough to tell me? And can we do that with each other? Maybe if you can't figure this out, ask somebody who knows you, who loves you, do you see a pattern that's really like off from God's way, that's really missing the mark, a way that I, that I continue in? Because it's time to identify, isolate the lies in the strongholds and demolish them because God has a master plan and he's never gonna build the master plan when we have stuff that needs to be demoed and is not demoed. The last scripture is this, and this would be great if the uh, worship team comes up. The last one is Philippians 3.13. This is important, guys, as God is doing a new work in you, in your life, and transforming you and creating you into uh, just a, a, a refined Christ follower where the Spirit of God has reign in your life. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, and God will do greater things, uh, great and mighty things you know not of. He will do profound, if we give him more room. And it says this in Philippians 3.13. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He's talking about the real tension that me and you have with things behind us and things ahead of us. And the things that God is calling us to, and yet we've experienced some stuff back here that kind of messes with us. There's a very real tension that you and I have between what's ahead of us and what's behind us, and God's aware of that. Paul's aware of that as well when he wrote this to the Philippians. He's saying you can't hold on to the things back here and still press in to the things ahead. Um, you know, when I used to live in New York City, we took the ferry over to Manhattan. We used to call it Madhattan. Uh, we take the ferry across, and some days were so windy. I remember this as kids, so windy. You ever seen the Staten Island Ferry? It goes across uh, in the movies. They show it all the time. We would go, but sometimes the winds were like 50 miles an hour, and, and everybody would be off the deck inside. But as kids, we would go out there. And uh, I mean, it had a guardrail. You know, it would probably be child endangerment today, but back then it was fine. Um, we would go out there, and we would literally lean forward with the wind, and we would be leaning at an angle like this with the wind blowing us and holding our body up. We would lean this far forward with a 50-mile-an-hour wind holding us up as kids. And that just gives me a, a great illustration, at least in my life, of pressing on, leaning into what God has for you. God has good things and blessings and a hope and a future for you, but you gotta lean into them. You gotta press into them. And yet sometimes we're holding on to things in the back and we're on our heels and God's saying, no, press on towards what I'm calling you to and yet we're on our heels being held back. There's a very real tension and the devil loves when we're stuck in this tension between the push and the pull and, and, and this happens in all of our lives. This is saying forget what's behind. Forget what's behind. Whatever the issues were, whatever yesterday's issues were, whatever the failures were, whatever the setbacks were, even whatever the sins were, 
God throws your sins, you've confessed them to him, he puts them into the sea of forgetfulness, and then he puts up a sign that says no fishing allowed. There's no going back to dig it up. Don't ask again, he already forgot. Well, God, remember that one? He's like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, you remember I asked, he said, I don't know what you're talking about. It's already gone. We can't hold on if we're gonna press forward. Maybe they're disappointments. Listen, guys, yesterday died last night. Yesterday died last night. God's mercies are new every day. Do you know that? I'm glad God's mercies are new. I'm glad for me they're new every day. I'm glad for you they're new every day. They're new every day. And here, the last point this morning that we need to hold on to so God can demo and build great things in your life is to forgive and forget and be an open slate for God to build on. Sometimes the biggest issue in our life could be an area of unforgiveness. Somebody, something, something that happened when we were young, recently, those people, I can't believe they did this or that person said or I can't. It can be a whole bunch of things, but the bottom line is God's mercy is new every day and freely you've been given forgiveness and freely you gotta give. You gotta release people. See, forgiveness doesn't hold them in bondage. Unforgiveness holds us in bondage. Unforgiveness doesn't hold them in bondage. It holds us in bondage. We have the key to our own cell with unforgiveness and we lock ourselves in and we don't realize that. And we gotta release people. And when you release them, you get released too. And God can build greater things. And so I just wanna encourage you guys, God's mercies are new every day. Ours should be as well. Ours should be as well. And I've been praying that lately. I've been saying, God, your mercies are new every day. Please, God, let my mercies be new every day. Let me have new mercy with everybody every day because your mercies are new. I would encourage you, if you look at some of these things we looked at today and you're willing to God, for God to shape you and mold you in these ways, God is gonna build something great in you. And that visual that you had of your spiritual house and what God can do, it's gonna start taking shape. It's not gonna be sticking a room on here and a weird roof here and another little shack on the back and one in the corner with walls that keep cracking. Oh no, it's not gonna look like that. It's gonna take on a whole new form and God's gonna do a great work in you and he's gonna use you to touch other people's lives. You will be an instrument of God. You will know what it's like for the spirit of God to move in you and his power and his love to work through you. And that to me is the most purposeful thing in life. And I believe that's his heart for us this year. So I wanna encourage you guys, we're gonna close in prayer this morning. I wanna encourage you guys to ask God to seal some of these things in, his, in our hearts so that what we're talking about, we're, we would say, yes, God, I don't want just this as a head knowledge. I'm, I'm willing, God, I'm willing to let you start the demo process. And so I wanna close in prayer. And so uh, this is between you and God, but if that's you, if you want God to do some demo in your life, I wanna ask you to stand to your feet and uh, as a symbol and just ask God to do some demo in your life as we close in prayer this morning. And maybe just put your hands out symbolically. This is between you and God. This is nothing weird. This is a biblical posture. They, did, they held their hands to God all the time. But symbolically between you and God, everyone's eyes closed. Just put the things in your hand that you're like, oh God, <laughs> these things probably need to go and you know what they are. You see them anyway. And these patterns, these habits, these things, default things, these triggers, um, you can't build in me, God, with these things. And Lord, none of us are perfect, God, but it's time. You're saying it's demolition time. And you're good with demolition. You're gentle with demolition. You're not a, you don't come in like a train wreck, God. You are good, you are loving, you are strategic. Uh, but God, we gotta come before you and we just offer these things symbolically in our hands. We lift them up to you and say, God, do a work in us. Begin to transform, God, the weights in our life that are weighing us down that you didn't give us. Uh, the sins, God, that are entangling us, God. 
the, the ideas and the arguments and the pretensions that we, we kind of try to convince ourselves or we hold on to believing, you're, you're saying it's time to take the wrecking ball to that. It's time for some Jesus, Jesus um, renovation to that. It's time for the, the jackhammer of God literally to start breaking up these arguments. And Lord, uh, also if there's areas where we have not forgiven and we have not forgotten, um, then those are holding us back to you, Lord God. And we want to start this year free. Uh, we want to start our lives fresh this morning. So Lord, we offer you those things too. We release those people to you right now. Uh, and if you agree you're releasing things to Jesus right now, say yes, Lord, in Jesus' name. Just say that. If the, if, again, if you agree, just say yes, Lord, in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord, in Jesus' name. We, we give you these things, Lord God, because we can't, some of the renovation, you just have to do it for us, but we're willing, God. So I thank you for what you're doing. And God, as a result of this, you're gonna begin to show us how to build now. When you do renovation, you can build some glorious things. And as we get into next week, God, I pray you show us how to build our lives on something that's unshakable, on your foundation with the right resources, with the right, with the right lumber, with the right materials, God, that we would have an unshakable life, a life that will give shelter to many and bear fruit for many, God. We love you so much. And we ask these things in Jesus' name and God's people said, amen. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. We pray that this message has blessed you. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.